everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. And just before we get into our episode and episode number 25, super stoked about that already. Wanted to touch, you know, a lot of investors are calling up, emailing, calling and, and, and asking me what, what should they do given the shift in the market? We all know we're in a shift right now. That's overwhelmingly obvious. What do we do, Adrian? Should we buy now? Should we wait? What should we do? So I recently released uh, just this last week on our social media, a video basically with the numbers. I, I, I took the time to look at the stats um, in the Hamilton market and surrounding areas, but predominantly Hamilton out in that neck of the woods. And essentially from January to now, they, we've seen an increase of just over two times the amount of active listings available on the market. So obviously it's pretty straightforward guys. Um, if inventory is high and demand is down, which it is right, at least two times the amount of listings going on right now compared to January, we're north of 1200 listings um, at the end of April. And if I remember correctly, at the end, mid-January, we were sitting at around 450. So we're almost double the amount of inventory out there right now, which means uh, what we're seeing is less competition, less bidding wars, less people coming to the table, so on and so forth. Although prices are still up and way up from last year, um, there is that shift. And meaning we have shifted more towards a favorable uh, buyer's market as opposed to the historical seller's market that we've experienced in the last year and a half to two years. So what would I do as a buyer? I'm super, super excited to continue to buy now because obviously, you know, competition isn't there. Prices have slightly come down. You can put in your clauses again as far as your financing or home inspection, stuff like that. And all that kind of good stuff that, you know, back in January, historically over the last year and a half, conditions in an offer, never. Like you, you were just said, there's no way you were coming to the table without a clean offer and obviously over asking. But now we're back into that, that, that market that we have that flexibility and time to do a home inspection to uh, have that financing condition and whatnot. So to answer your question, everybody, what are we doing here at EPC? We're buying like crazy. <laughs> we are buying like crazy. Because again, like I tell everybody, nobody has a crystal ball. But if the numbers work, and when we're running our numbers, they work now as well. And if the numbers work, pull the trigger. And we are still buying very aggressively and more favorably in this shift in this market. So if you're a buyer and you're looking to get into real estate and you're looking to invest, hey, need some advice, need me to answer your questions, give me a shout, send me an email, shoot me a message over social media. We're very easy to find. Definitely can steer you in the right direction and give you some free advice um, that could potentially help you down the road or short-term, long-term, whatever the case may be. And on that note, um, let's get into our upcoming guest. Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we teach you to get more to life 
so you can start living your dreams through the power of real estate investing. Super stoked today, guys. Our guest today is Josh Stevenson, um, who is a property investor in Aurelia, Ontario, so not too far from us. He and his business partner, Brent Peterson, along with their wives, own a very successful company called Invest North, which holds now 95 doors valued at just over $20 million uh, in Aurelia, Sunridge, North Bay, Cobalt, New Liscard. Uh, Josh retired from his grade eight teaching job in November of 2020 after a 20 year career that took him to South Korea, Japan, Czech Republic, Taiwan, Australia. This guy's been around. <laughs> and finally back to Ontario. Uh, Josh and his business partner managed 55 of their 95 doors themselves. Um, and they have managed to build their portfolio with absolutely no joint venture partners or other investors up until now. Um, Josh has used the no money down deals with the help of different credit unions um, and vendor take back mortgages in order to grow and expand his business. He is married to the author Jessica Hamilton, the author, the author of the thriller, What You Never Knew, and her upcoming book, Don't You Dare, Josh and his wife live with their two children in Aurelia, Ontario. So without that all being said, without further delay, Josh, welcome to the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Adrian. I'm very excited. Um, it's it's a brilliant sunny day out there. I think it's, it's in the high 20s at least. Holy cow. What, what do you got there? Yeah, we're at 27. It's showing on my computer. Yeah. Yesterday yeah. was a little warmer, but uh, yeah, this is definitely... Uh, uh, heading in the right direction, that's for sure. Certainly. I feel like I just crawled out from under a rock and I'm getting some sun on me for the first time in ages. But uh, know, right? what, what a treat for us Ontario guys. Eh? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Josh, yeah. we'll get into it. Um, pretty straightforward. I, I got, I, I'm actually really thrilled to get into it because our, our business models, although we both invest in real estate and we both have a great size portfolio, you pretty much do the opposite of what me and my company do with respect to we really JV on a high level and you do the opposite where you've built a very impressive portfolio um, without any JV partners. So um, tell us about your journey. Tell us about how, how did this start and how you managed to navigate through, you know, no JV partners. Right. Okay. Um, well, a couple it's life is very strange at times and, uh, the, the reason I got into uh, both teaching and uh, being an income property guy are, are both kind of odd coincidental things, but I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the short version of both. Um, uh, I became a teacher because uh, when I was 15 years old, I was uh, driving my, my dirt bike on the highway. <laughs> You're a former cop, aren't you? I am, yes. I was. You go. So I dealt with some of you guys in the past. Yeah. Um, so I got, I actually got, I got hit driving my dirt bike to a, to the trails I was going to. And, uh, you know, I broke some ribs and I was in the hospital for a while, but this is right before no fault insurance came in. This is like in like 80, oh goodness, maybe 87 or something. I was like a 15 year old kid. And, uh, 
the, the person that, that hit me in the truck, uh, he's, he's ended up suing me for $10,000. And because I was a minor, um, <laughs> my dad had to pay the $10,000. And my dad said, Josh, when you get old enough and when you finish university, you're going to pay me all this money back because I taught you better than this. And, you know, I want you to teach you a lesson. I said, okay, well, you know, uh, when I'm done university, that's a million, million uh, miles away. And uh, of course, I graduated a mere six six years later when I was 21. I graduated with a degree, and my dad asked me for the money, and I didn't have any money. So in the newspaper, this is before the internet, uh, I saw in my local uh, packet and times, or really a newspaper, it said, "Come and teach English in Korea." And I thought, "Wow, they're paying American dollars. I think they're paying like you know like three thousand American dollars a month." And I thought that was a ton of money. So I went over to to Korea. And I, I taught there and I absolutely fell in love with teaching. So uh, over the years, I taught in, in Japan and Korea and Taiwan and the Czech Republic. And when I had uh, my fill of that, I came back to Canada and I opened my very own English language school on Queen Street. And uh, we taught people English from all over the world, people from uh, Asia and from South America and Eastern Europe. And we had a really good business going there because I have a very um, kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. And unfortunately, in uh, 2001, we had the 9-11 attacks and that scared all my students away. And then we also had SARS. Now, SARS is kind of reminiscent of, of what we've just gone through with, with COVID. And the one-two punch of SARS and the 9-11 attacks uh, uh, drove all of my students away because they thought, you know, the WHO had put out a travel advisory against Toronto saying, it's not safe, get your kids home. So all these, these wealthy kids, they went back to their home countries and I lost my school. So at that point, I thought, I was 30 years old at the time, and I thought, oh my God, here I am with like, you know, not, not a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. So I, I ended up uh, at that point becoming a conventional teacher because I'd been teaching for so many years prior to that. So I, I taught grade eight for uh, 15 years. But um, being a teacher is, is a wonderful uh, career and I, I loved it to death, but I also still had that entrepreneurial spirit. And in the summers I would, uh, I would teach summer school and I would uh, sometimes uh, before I became a, a full-fledged contract teacher with the Simcoe County District School Board. I taught people that got injured on a job site that needed to get their GED. And uh, sometimes I would have a chance to read book while they're doing their work. I would I would have a little bit of time to read books. And I was walking in the library one day, the Aurelia Public Library, and I saw a, a, a book called uh, Building Wealth One House at a Time. And I pulled it off the shelf. This is before I even owned one house. I pulled this book off the shelf and uh, I think it was, it's written by Charles Schwab. And I, I leafed through this book and I, I read about this guy who built this multi-million dollar portfolio just buying one single family home at a time. And I was, it, it was like the light bulb went off. I thought, holy cow, why, why am I not doing this? And why, why aren't, you know, every person I know should be doing this. And um, before I knew it, uh, my wife and I bought a duplex in Barrie. And we lived in uh, the upstairs because uh, we could rent the downstairs uh, out for more. And we had uh, we had a, a, uh, our first child, uh, our son, Luke. And we lived upstairs and, and rented a downstairs and that paid for everything. And I thought, this is a no-brainer, right? And uh, um, from there, we house hacked. Uh, we moved to uh, Aurelia, Ontario, where 
real estate was even cheaper. And we house hacked again. I, I bought a big family home and I, I turned it into a duplex and we repeated that. And that's how we really got our start. Um, I think, you know, both you and I have had a lot of luck with the market helping us out. Like I, I have lived through some insane appreciation. So these houses that I house hacked uh, gained, you know, in appreciation tremendously. And I'm talking like doubling and tripling. I was buying these things for uh, like triplexes for $200,000 and uh, duplexes for $180,000. And, and now, you know, they turned into, you know, $500,000 buildings, $600,000 buildings. So I kept taking the equity and I kept buying new things. And uh, the, the berry market got very hot. Then I moved to Aurelia. The Aurelia the market got very hot. And then I, I thought, okay, things are, things are not, a little bit out of whack in terms of, achieving the 1% rule. What else we got up the road? I took out a map. Next big city up the road was North Bay, Ontario. So uh, before all this crazy appreciation hit North Bay, we went up there. And at the same time, I had one of my childhood friends move back from Lethbridge, uh, Ontario. And he was he was actually working on the, uh, the pipeline. So he his home base was in Lethbridge, but he he worked uh, way up in uh, by Fort McMurray, and he did these awful shifts. And he finally came home with a whole bucket of money and no desire to, live, to work in the oil fields again. <laughs> and uh, he saw what I, what, what I was doing, and he said, hey, man, I got a bunch of money. You got a bunch of money. Why don't we join forces, create a corporation, and just buy up whatever we can? And we did that just before uh, COVID. We did it in the years prior to COVID, and we, we bought 40 units in North Bay. And they have subsequently exploded in value. And then we took that money. And when we felt the North Bay market was getting a little too hot, we took out the map again and we looked up the road. And, and up there, we have the Tritown area of Cobalt, uh, Tamiskaming Shores, and, and uh, New Liskert, three little towns in a little uh, kind of area up on Lake Tamiskaming. And we started buying stuff up there. And then we started buying stuff in little surrounding areas in, in Rother Glen, Sturgeon Falls, uh, mm -hmm. you know, even mm -hmm. further up north, like Deep River type thing. So uh, we just kind of stayed ahead of the prices. We stayed ahead of these price appreciations. And we've been entirely fortunate. I, I, I must uh, I must have done something in my previous life that was good because uh, we were we were literally in the right place at the right time. Um, but we did work our butts off. And, and we reached out to everybody and anybody who would lend us money, anybody and everybody who would give us a tip on a good real estate deal, pounded the pavement, got off market deals, worked with tons of different lenders, uh, mortgage brokers, credit unions. We did, you know, we borrowed some private money here and there, but uh, we always kept it in house. We always kept it with me and Brent and uh, our wives. And we've, we've never had to uh, look outside. Uh, and we've had lots of people at this point uh, offer us JV money. And I'm not counting it out because your model is super impressive too. Like, holy cow, you got you know, three times what I got and more. Um, and that's, that's something that we're keeping the door open for. But at, at this particular moment, we've just kept it all in-house uh, just with the, the partners. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it all started, it all started with picking a book off a shelf. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for people that hang out in libraries. Like, you know, I was a school teacher for years, but I mean, um, just walking down, I just used to walk down the aisles and pick out books that looked interesting to me. 
And I, I think if I had not picked up that book at that particular moment, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I'd have a totally different life. It wouldn't be horrible, but it wouldn't be this awesome either. So, I mean, uh, here's the libraries, here's the reading, here's to being a lifelong learner, right? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, Josh. Um, so everybody listening is probably wondering, and I'm wondering too, um, how, okay. For the purchase, you're raising money through different avenues, vendor take backs, private loans, whatever, whatever, whatever. But as far as being able to qualify now on that mortgage, um, are you getting a conventional mortgage after all for that purchase? You know, you're pulling equity from wherever you are. Okay, now you're going to go buy the next one. How are you qualifying for all these different properties? Well, it, it's completely different having things in your own name and then owning things in a corporation. And we, we've had we have two different corporations because we loaded up one corporation with so many buildings that our lawyers said to us, hey, uh, if you ever had anybody sue you or if you had a right. you know, liability with this corporation, that can be wiped out. So right. we opened a second corporation uh, because you never want to have all your eggs in one basket. Right. Right. And, and my wife and I, we have a, a number of buildings in our own name uh, right. as well. But uh, with a corporation like and we, you know, we have bigger stuff like we own a little com uh, retirement community in Sundridge, Ontario, and there's 14 bungalows there. Um, and we have, uh, you know, uh, six plexes, uh, tons of five plexes. And uh, we have a, a seven plex just out of, outside of town. It's an old uh, public school. The Utah public school is converted into units. And when you uh, when you're buying a larger building like that, particularly with a corporation, um, the the lending organization or the institution looks at that instead of you and your debt to income ratio. You know, it, 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 the building is looked at as a business in itself. Does it cash flow? Um, what are you going to put down on it? Is there going to be money enough to pay your your mortgage? And is there going to be money enough to pay um, that uh, vendor take back mortgage, which is the second mortgage? And uh, because Brent and I are, are pretty good at finding deals, and a lot of, the, a lot of these were off-market deals too, just talking to the right guy at the right time, um, there was enough cash flow to satisfy uh, the lending institution's demands. And we deal with mostly credit unions at this point. And as long as, the number, as long as the numbers work, they are completely happy to lend you uh, the money for the building. Um, but you have to find the cash flow in buildings, which has become more of a challenge in recent years, as you can imagine. Yeah. So, okay. No, that's really crystal clear. We do the same thing, obviously. I guess um, I was more, I, I should have asked, um, your portfolio then, is it more um, multifamilies, five plus units, as opposed um, to say, duplexes? Well, we started off with um, duplexes, triplexes. Um, we don't, well, actually, one of our most recent purchases is still a triplex, but we, we try and get like uh, anything five units and above uh, can be deemed commercial. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we pay a little bit more money uh, in an interest rate, like a, a commercial kind of interest rate. Um, but that allows, you know, more more flexibility in terms of, um, you know, the bank or the lending institution, uh, you, you know, just awarding you the mortgage on the way that the building performs. Right. So that has been kind of our go to move as of late. And I think if you get to a certain point, every deal is specific, right? But I mean, um, you, you want to get into the bigger stuff. 
And uh, I think moving forward, uh, we will be going for strictly stuff that's, you know, maybe six and up. Uh, even we, we've been looking at, you know, much larger buildings now because you reach a certain point where you kind of want to graduate to the next level. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it's great to um, have all these these duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes, but that's a lot of roofs, right? That's a lot of furnaces. That's a lot of appliances. And uh, to have a lot of stuff uh, under one roof seems to be our preferred kind of go-to move now. I actually saw um, something on social media that you you're actually teaching something to this effect, which I think is great. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a, a webinar series. Our next episode is in June, um, first week of June. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's really centered on multifamily Right. Uh, how, what's it? Why is multifamily the golden goose of yeah. real estate investing? Yeah, yeah. So we're putting that on next month. That's awesome, uh, Josh, because that's exactly like I want to say 80% of our 370 doors are uh, probably 75% are the residential platform. And that's mm -hmm. how we started too with the triplexes and the fourplexes and the duplexes. And as of late, us as well, you know, scaling to the next level, so to speak. Um, we're now focusing as well on the bigger acquisitions, um, you know, the 12s, the 10s, the 8s. Actually, last, just the end of 2021, we closed on a um, 45 unit. Um, nice. Purpose-built nice. building, which was a big one. Um, so, yeah, definitely getting in that space. And I agree with you, the lending on that commercial multifamily structure or, or uh, platform is much easier than the residential qualifying because like you said, it goes to the building. They're not qualifying Josh per se, they're qualifying the building, the cash flow, the NOI, all that stuff. And you know, based on that, you may obviously before, again, we're, we're doing burrs, our company's doing the burrs at a high level. So obviously they may give you in my experience, uh, they may give you an unstabilized building. They may give yep. you, you know, 65, 70% loan to value. But then on the back end for us, typically on the exit, we have no problem getting up to that 80, 85% LTV. Mm -hmm. After it's stabilized, the new rents are there. Obviously, we've increased the NOI mm -hmm. and whatnot. But yes, I, I completely agree. One roof to house. But everybody starts somewhere and just like Certainly. you did, we did the same thing. You know, my very first purchase was a duplex, uh, one up, one down, cookie cutter, very simple. And then 10 years later, here we are. And how many years have you been in it now? 15, actually. Um, but I, you know, I started off slowly. Like uh, I was always a school teacher for like thir 13 and a half of my 15 years. I was a school teacher. So I would go to... Uh, to work in the morning and I, I taught grade eight for um, uh, 15 years. Uh, and ha have you met a, a 14 year old lately? <laughs> <laughs> they're lovely, they're lovely. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're challenging, right? Because they, they got the, the hormones going and their, their frontal cortex isn't completely wired up yet and they make some questionable decisions. So, you, you know, that's a, that's a high energy job. And I did a ton of coaching, right? I, I coached uh, basketball and volleyball nice. and all these nice. other sports so nice. i took up a, a long a lot of my time and then i would have to do uh I come home you know after teaching and then coaching and being some 
tournament and I, I coached rep sports because my son's into basketball. And then you have to go and, you know, deal with the leaky toilet or you have to go uh, deal with a furnace that isn't working. So um, 13 and a half years of that was uh, a, a bit of a grind. So I, their portfolio had reached a point where I had to choose one or the other. Um, and now uh, what we're doing is we're trying to, we do have a property manager. We've offloaded our 40 uh, units in North Bay. This, He's, he's, a, he's a good guy and he's doing a great job. Uh, we've got contractors working for us. So we are transitioning from doing absolutely everything ourselves to farming it out. And it's a process to get these systems in place. And this is why I hear about it, um, you know, on podcasts and, and people that have been in the industry for a long time. Um, if you really want to scale, you can't do it all yourself, right? Um, so, I mean, I'm this year we're kind of uh, slowing down the acquisition rate and just farming stuff out to people, finding the right people to do the right things. Um, and I, I think that's the the only way you can scale effectively and, and you know, not die in 18 months of <laughs> yeah. work overload. Right? Work overload, stress and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Agree more. yeah. Leverage your time in order for you to not only enjoy and reap the rewards of all your hard work, but mm -hmm. also continue to grow because it gets to a certain level when you have so many doors if you're doing it all yourself and you're focused on trying to keep up with all that day-to-day -day, um, mundane little tasks that still take up a lot of your time, how on God's green earth are you going to focus on grabbing, you know, the next uh, 15 or 20 unit or, you know, for us even just uh, being able to keep myself free to be able to attract new um joint venture partners or find that next acquisition off market, as you say, mm -hmm. you know, someone once told me, pay somebody the $15, $20 an hour to do the $15, $20 an hour job, focus on the big picture where mm -hmm. you could use that time to make, you know, the next three, the next three deals happen, which ultimately, you know, could be proved, could prove to be very, very, generous and profitable, if you will. I'm assuming your model too, are you guys more of a uh, long-term wealth buy and hold yeah. um, as opposed to flipping? Uh, yeah, we, we don't flip. Uh, I've in my uh, 15 years, I've sold uh, one single family home and I've sold a duplex, but everything like uh, that's of my 28 buildings uh, of our 28 buildings or 26, we still have. So, um, yeah, we're buy and hold guys. And, um, that the, you know, a lot of people, uh, tell us, you know, you should get into flipping or, or, or you should get into, um, rent to own, or you should get into this or that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm in favor of simplicity and, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. Um, we've yeah. been entirely successful using this model and I'm not saying that we will, uh, we will always do this. We might stray from it a bit, but I mean, um, if you have a model that works and it's and it's it's been uh, proven time after time to, to get you the results you want, um, I, I think we're we're going to stick with this for for the foreseeable future. Um, and you know, I'm often faced with the, the the dilemma: Do I sell this building in order to acquire some some better assets or a variety of assets, or do I refi it? Um, if you take you know, if you refi a building. All of that money, you're not paying tax on, right? Uh, right away, anyway. So that that's a whole like I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So 
you, you're moving hundreds of thousands of dollars into new assets and you're hanging on to the existing asset, which is continues to appreciate. So I always urge people and I do I do coach, but I, I've never charged for coaching. I have people uh, call me all the time. Here's my situation, Josh. I got a couple duplexes and I want this. Should I should I refinance or should I sell? And I said, listen, if you can hang on to it and if the thing is not driving you completely up the wall, hang on to it because you have this extra building that could possibly appreciate, you know, between five and 22 percent, depending which way the wind blows. So I always encourage people to hold on to as many assets as they can. Um, I have been fortunate enough to, to come into contact with some landlords uh, that get to 65 or, you know, they're 68 years old and they want to now offload them. And I could see that in my future, too. And uh, I've been on the receiving end of, of getting those assets that they, they've unloaded. And I'm sure that at some point I want to kind of empty my portfolios to an extent. But, you know, I'm still a relatively young person and I've got the energy to do it. So and I'm smart enough to hopefully find the team to uh, to do it so I don't have to do absolutely everything. So, yeah, I'm into to delegating and buy and hold is our tried and true method. Beautiful. Yeah. Same as us. I mean. If you're cash flowing, it's carrying itself. You're not, it's not driving you up the wall. You can refi and pull the money out, like you said, tax-free, redeploy that yeah. um, into other acquisitions and continue to grow. Like it's, it's really, it's a carbon copy of what we do. And it's a no brainer, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And what you just got to, sorry, go on. No, no, no. Finish off. Oh, I, I, just, I said, I, and I just encourage um, your listeners to just get your foot in the door like um this stuff it, it like it took me 15 years you've obviously been doing it for quite some time too and uh you know don't compare yourself to the guy with the 300 or whatever doors you've got or that my 95 <laughs> you know compare yourself to to who you were yesterday so you know you got your first income property that is a huge accomplishment and Absolutely. and maybe in another six or seven months you can you can uh, secure another one uh, but if it's the snowball effect, it's the cumulative effect, because you and I are able to do these big moves because we've been at it forever. Um, so I, I, I don't want young people or people getting just getting into this to get discouraged. Oh, how am I ever going to get to 100 doors? Or, how am I ever going to get to, you know, X amount of doors? Uh, just start with your first door and or maybe your first three doors. And uh, you will be shocked uh, how that snowballs into something fairly substantial. And then. The kind of the world is your oyster. It really opens up to you. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me when you say, you know, don't get discouraged if you're thinking or you hear somebody who has all these doors. I remember sitting in a, an investor uh, conference. Uh, probably I was a year into real estate investing. And I think at that time I may have had six doors. Give right. or take. And I remember sitting in this conference and these two guys got on stage. I can't remember their names for the life of me, but I remember them middle-aged guys and um, they get, they get on stage and they start delivering their presentation. And I remember them saying, you know, and however many years they were at it, you know, they were at a um, hundred doors. And I remember sitting in the audience going, thinking exactly, Josh, what you just said, thinking, Oh my God. Can you imagine what it would be like to be able to say, I own a hundred doors. It almost sounded, and like you said, you know, don't get discouraged, but it almost sounded un, 
unreachable for me. Just be, it was like a pipe dream. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. As if can I like imagine saying I own a hundred doors? Yeah. Good luck with that. Like, I'm, just a, <laughs> I'm just a cop working my night shifts and whatnot. And I'm, but you know, I praise these guys thinking they were God and I can't remember their names, but, and now, like you said, you know, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how quickly it could snowball. I never thought in my wildest dreams, you know, our company would, uh, you know, be up to 370 doors. Woo. And I thought, looking at these guys, a hundred doors. Oh my God. Congratulations. Like that's incredible. And I'll never see that, but kudos to you guys. So to your point, Josh, 100%, the, the, the sky's the limit, right? The world's mm -hmm. your oyster, like never say never. Um, and you'd be amazed how quickly it snowballs. So awesome. Yeah. One last question on that note before um, we get into the next subject here, but out of curiosity, where do you see yourself going in the next few years uh, growing in this market space that you're in? Do you continue to see yourselves pedal to the metal and, and continuing to grow, going, diversifying other locations, taking your money to Alberta? Like, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your company invest north in the next couple of years? That's a that's a really good question because and it, it's very pertinent because we've been we've been discussing this a lot. Um, we we grew so quickly, like we probably added uh, you know sixty doors since COVID began. Um, and uh, I have now started looking, you know, a little bit outside of the 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 markets that we we usually operate in. And I I think that I would be comfortable um, investing out of province. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, slam the landlord tenant board a little bit right now um, because this this can be if you do not select your tenants uh, properly or if you inherit the wrong tenants which which has been our problem in the past we've inherited people that uh, want to stop paying their rent this can be a very difficult province to do business in um, if you have somebody not paying their rent right now we have. Uh, we bought a we bought a fourplex in North Bay, uh, you know, not in February, the February prior. So we're, I think we're February, March, April, May. Uh, we're, we're in month 15 of, of one of our tenants not paying rent, you know, never has paid us a dime in rent. We, we bought the building and, and as it came out, um, this guy was delinquent on his rent. So I guess yeah. we could have theoretically sued the, the, the previous owner because he didn't disclose everything. Right. Um, because he said this guy was paying, but he didn't. So um, I know that there are a lot of people moving outside of the province because of the unfriendly landlord tenant board uh, laws. And, and um, it's hard to get a hearing. Um, I'm 15 months into one. I'm, you know, eight months. So I always have a few of these guys, usually people that I've inherited uh, through the purchase of a building. So I know there are provinces and there's certainly a lots of states with more uh, landlord friendly laws and rules Absolutely. yeah so at at this point i i'm i am willing to look outside of province for that um the price points have been getting higher and higher here like we we've been going north and north and north. we're going to be in the arctic circle soon man like <laughs> looking for deals <laughs> yeah. so uh, uh i know you still you can still do business here um you can get a, a decent wholesale deal here here or there or a good uh, off-market deal but I know a lot of people are planting their money in Alberta. Uh, New Brunswick's another big market. Um, 
and down south. And these are people I know, uh, some, some people that, uh, you know, I, I've talked to and, and it does seem like a lucrative move. So um, moving some money out of province to a different province or particularly in the States, um, that could be on the horizon. But do you know what? I will always uh, have my eyes and ears open for deals around here. Um, and I don't think it's over. Like we are in a very transitory market right now. Um, and, and you have your finger on the pulse, I know, as well. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, these interest rates, um, you know, people just can't afford as much house or they can't afford uh, an, an extra income property as much. So I think it's going to uh, be less competitive. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, the, the prices are going to come down. I don't think they're going to come down that significantly. But even if we see a 5 to 7% drop, that kind of opens the door for me again. Um it's it's uh, we, we qualify quite easily now because they look at your net worth oftentimes when you're qualifying for these these right. deals. And right. Yeah. So um, I, I'm actually looking forward to a point in the future, uh, in the near future, where it becomes less competitive. You're not getting 20 to 30 bids on, uh, you know, every single property. Um, so we've kind of taken our foot off the, the pedal a, a bit lately just to see uh, what's going to happen when this dust settles, because I think. It's going to take another two or three, maybe two or three months to uh, to see what direction this market is actually going to go in. Um, so I have a bit of a wait and see attitude, but I'm always I'm always looking for a deal, too. Amazing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're coming to the end here. Uh, we've been at it 30, almost 35 minutes. But uh, we usually close off. I got two parting questions for you, and then we'll get the audience to uh uh, give them some information on how they can get a hold of you to uh, pick your brain or chat with you. But uh, what is your why? Why do you do what you do, Josh? Uh, my well, it's my family, actually. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I I came from uh, a family where my 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 grandparents actually owned quite a bit of real estate. Um, my my great uh, sorry. Yeah, my, my great-great-grandfather was actually Frank Johnson from the Group of Seven, the painters, uh, Group of Seven painters. And his, his daughter went away. My grandmother uh, was a Bracebridge person, and she, she owned a, a gift store in, in Bracebridge. And they also owned um, a hotel in Dorset, and they, they owned um, various pieces of real estate around uh, Bracebridge. And um, they, they had a really interesting uh life because they're they were entrepreneurs and they were kind of always cutting deals and moving and shaking and going over to europe and buying stuff from for my uh my grandmother's um gift store and they, they had such a cool and interesting life and and uh my father settled on a more conventional life he was a school teacher as was my mother but i always kind of looked to my grandparents as the model like you know my my grandfather sold real estate, and he was in, he was involved, uh, you know, with um, different commerce boards or, around town. And um, I, I I kind of thought that was a, a wonderful thing. And they passed down a wonderful uh, family cottage uh, in Muskoka that that we still use. And um, I, I I kind of modeled my entrepreneurial entrepreneurial career after uh, them. And I really wanted stuff to pass down to my kids. And I also want the time to spend with my kids. Like my son is going into grade 11. So I've got him at home for another two years and then he's off to university, 
he better be off to university. <laughs> and my daughter is, is entering grade nine. So I've got her at home for four more years. So two things I want, you know, in, in this day and age, oh my goodness, I, I feel uh, sorry for a lot of these young kids trying to get their foot in the door in this housing market, um, you know, getting a down payment for, for a house. They're, they're going to have to maybe get some help from their parents. Uh, maybe things are going to get a bit better for them. But um, I've always wanted to be able to help my kids, you know, uh, get their start. If they want a house, uh, I can lend them some money or I can maybe can run a few of my rentals and, and, and make some money that way. So I, I, I will, you know, and when my time is up, uh, they're going to have a substantial portfolio. And if they don't blow it, their kids will have it too. So, I mean, generational wealth is kind of my driving force. It's like this every day I wake up and I just think what a great opportunity I have to not only have a wonderful life and take my kids on vacations and have, you know, boats and sea dews and snowmobiles and, and all this wonderful lifestyle, which I work my ass off for, Yeah. but uh, you can pass it down to your kids. And I, you know, I don't want to give them everything on a silver platter, platter, but I also, you know, if they're, if they're willing to um, take on the responsibility and, and work for it, it's theirs. And, and that, that brings me great joy. Couldn't agree more. I pretty much, uh, I think we're a lot alike in that regard because uh, my answer would be pretty much exactly the same where we only have, uh, my wife and I only have the one child. So um, who's 21 years old now. So our child will obviously benefit quite generously as well. And, you know, my mindset too is that generational wealth, you know, with all of our portfolio now, I think we're, we probably can cover off two generations um, after our time is up, as you would say, for, uh, you know, my daughter and, um, you know, one day her children and uh, and so on. So, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And yes, amazing. That brings me to the end, Josh. Um, it's been a slice. Uh, tons of great information and, and amazing how you've scaled this with no JV money, no JV partners, which is pretty much the opposite of what we do. Uh, <laughs> but hey, it works and you've been successful at it. And like I've always said, everybody has their model. Everybody has their way of doing something. And like you have yours, we have ours. And yours has worked obviously very shit. You've added 60 units uh, you know, since COVID, which is very, very impressive as well. Kudos to you and your business partner. And I want to thank you for spending uh these last 40 minutes with us on the mortal life and tell us uh tell my audience how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you and just chat or or pick your reign or who knows maybe do business one day certainly um i think the best way to get in touch with uh with us would be through our instagram page and it's investnorth.ca um we also have a website it's uh investnorth.ca and uh, we also, uh, we filmed some, uh, we're not regular posters to, to YouTube, but we've, we've posted some videos uh, to Adventures in Landlording. And it's just us bringing a, uh, a uh, well, basically our camera phones to the work site and giving people uh, a little taste of what we do. Some of it's funny, some of it's tongue in cheek. Uh, some of it's just showing people what we've done, but adventures in landlording on YouTube and uh, investnorth.ca on Instagram. And uh, people reach out to me all the time. Um, I've never really gone into coaching for dollars because I, I've spent my 
entire adult life teaching. So I, I don't mind doing it here or there. I don't think I'm going to roll out a course anytime soon, but I am more than willing to give people advice, point them in the right, right direction and tell them what's worked for me. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks again, Josh, on being uh, on episode 25 guest. Um, and I can wish you guys continued success. Um, and I'd love to, uh, hey, we can always bounce stuff off each other as well uh, moving forward. And um, yeah, enjoy the summer. Yes. And I think, yeah, after that long, dark winter, we deserve mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, thanks again, uh, Adrian. I, I've, you know, uh, once I, I discovered your material, I listened to it, and there's some great, great uh, episodes out there. I, I often listen to when I'm driving around, checking on stuff, and um, it's, awesome. it's great to see your journey, and you've had such interesting guests, and I, I thank you for all the wonderful content that you put out to the world. Cheers. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care.